You're listening to the Living Unapologetically podcast, where you'll learn to thrive living the unapologetic lifestyle. With your host, Shakita, she'll discuss entrepreneurship, life, faith, dating, and everything in between. You'll be unapologetically you, and she'll be, well, unapologetically her. And now, here's your host, Shakita. Happy Friday, everyone. I am so incredibly excited about our guest, Avery Ridgeway. He's a Christian financial advisor and host of Financial Advisors Say the Darnest Thing podcast. He is here on today with so much financial wealth. I would love for you to grab your coffee, tea, water, grab your pen and your paper, and literally sit back and enjoy. Welcome, AB. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. I'm really excited to have you here on today. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Well, I'm a financial planner. I own AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, where we create financial plans for Christians who want to make God proud. Oh, that's amazing. Awesome. Awesome. And where are you from? Like what what city or state are you in? Lafayette, Louisiana, a home of crawfish, crocodiles and boudin. Well, let's jump right into it. You know, I have the same three questions that I love to ask everyone just to find out more about you. And our first is, what is your favorite scripture or quote? My favorite scripture is James chapter two, verse 22. Uh, Do you see the faith was working together with his works and by works, faith was perfected. So God is talking to Abraham and about how he worked. Well, he did his part um, of sacrificing Isaac. And it was because of his faith in God that it became perfect. And I just truly believe that if we work really hard, um, our faith will be perfected through the works. Wow. That's a beautiful, beautiful scripture. And then what is something that most people don't know? I do yoga. (laughs) I think a lot of people don't know that I could do a headstand, handstand and all the kind of different poses there. And then also my parents are vegetarian. So a lot of people wonder you know, how I look the way I look or how I eat is because of my parents. So I'm, I eat plant-based. Um, I don't eat a lot of meat if ever. Um, so that's something a lot of people don't know about me. They, they see my size and think of a meat eater. Wow. That's really, really awesome. Because I also love yoga and I have awesome. a plant-based diet. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. Would you like to share your testimony with us? Well, you know, I grew up in the church. I had two uncles who had churches in my hometown. One of my uncles was a youth kind of pastor. So they had vacation Bible school, all kind of fun stuff. So I spent most of my time there. You know, and anybody who grows up in a church, you know, you sing songs, you know, the scriptures, and you don't really think twice about the religion. It's just something that you do. And it wasn't really until I was in my last few years working for an international investment firm that a client came in. And as always, we would kind of catch up on life and discuss his accounts. But this time he looked at my family and asked me how my wife was doing. And normally I kind of give that kind of private, ah, she's fine. But for some reason, God put on my heart to tell him the truth. And, and during that time, she was suffering with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, she had some flare ups. And anyone who's familiar with the autoimmune disease um, knows it's painful. And he said, what's her name? And I'm going to pray for her. I told him and he did something I wasn't expecting. He actually wrote her name in a book. So a little confused, I asked what the book was. And he said it was a list of all the names of people he prays for. He sits down, he calls out each of the names to God to send healing or whatever they need prayer for. 
And in all of my 35 years in the church, never have I even seen uh, someone in the, the church actually have a prayer book, right? You know, I'll pray for you is usually like the Christian version of you have my sympathy. It was really something nice you said, but you really did it. And it was at that moment I really started to take the word of God seriously because this elderly man who recently lost his wife, was lost in the world, found comfort in God and providing comfort to others and was still clinging on to God's promise that if we call on his name, he can work miracles. And I want to be just like him. And, and I want to thank, I actually want to take some time to thank my family for, for building the spirit in me all those years so I could recognize God in this man. And and God tell you something, you know, with rheumatoid arthritis, they say that the best day was yesterday because it's a progressive di disease. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And hers was pretty aggressive. As we speak, her rheumatoid arthritis is gone. Yeah. And if that is not a reason to believe that he is a true and living God, I don't know what is. Wow, that is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Definitely, God is a God of miracles, signs, and wonders. And even yes. God placing that gentleman on your path, right? Yes. God for that. That is a phenomenal testimony. And we, I thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank so you. we're here today because we are talking about finances, finances, yes. uh, financial stewardship. These are concepts that are very, very important to the kingdom, the kingdom of God, because we are called to be wise stewards, not just of our time, our businesses, our relationships, but most importantly, our money. And yes. so this is the beginning of the new year. Everybody's wondering how to make 2023 such a uh, prosperous, productive year of just, you know, financial security, financial prosperity, you know, financial stability. You know, we have people that want, you know, they just people want so many different things this year. So I wanted to talk about, first of all, um, just some things that like you wanted to share. Sure. I think before we even start about investing, because a lot of people want to jump into investing, right? As soon as they find out that, you know, I'm at Yale or I'm, I have my pursuing my certified private wealth advisor designation or, or any of those things, they're like, well, how do I make the money, right? That's everyone's first question. Oh, you want an investment firm? You know, how do I make money? And I think the first step is identifying the season that you're in. I like to identify it as the four seasons, just like winter, spring, summer, and fall. There's debt management, there's savings, there's investing, and then there's wealth transfers. And when you identify this, you can't be fooled. A lot of people on the internet are saying, you need to invest in this, you need to invest in that, right? But I kind of want to go to the scripture here. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one through eight, and it talks about the seasons and times, right? It says, there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to keep silent and a time to speak and a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And it goes on and on for these, these eight verses at, at different increments. But the idea here is that there are seasons. And if you are in debt, you are in debt management season, just like a cold winter. If you're in a saving stage, that means you need to accumulate some of your assets. Or if you're in an investing stage, you need to invest. And then once again, if you're in the wealth transfer stage, you need to learn how to pass on your wealth to your children. And now the danger is, you can be in a season too long. You can still be wearing your winter coat in summer and you will suffer. Or you may be wearing shorts in the wintertime and you'd be freezing cold. So it's good to identify what season you're in and stay there. 
so nobody can distract you. If you are still in debt and you're trying to get out of debt, focus on debt management until you can grow into your savings and keep saving till you have six to nine months of the emergency fund until you could start investing. And I think that can save a lot of trouble in our community because we go straight from being in debt 50 to $100,000 to one to invest and risk our life savings and vice versa. Right. You're absolutely right. And I think that that is a phenomenal point. You have to know what season that you're yes. in, right? Yes. Uh, financially, like where you are, right? And yes. then also, I think just like what the ultimate goal is, right? Um, we talked about just like, you know, setting that goal financially, how it may be, you know, sometimes it's easy to get distracted, right? Yes. And so when we're talking about knowing what season that you're in, knowing exactly what it is you want to accomplish, how would you advise someone to stick to a financial goal? I think the first part is to identify where you are. A lot of people want to skip. When you start a business, right, the first thing that you do in business is having what? A business plan. Yes. You do the research. You do market research. You see who's your target market. You start to realize what does the competition look like? For some reason, we don't do that with our own personal finances. We don't take the time to figure out exactly where we are and where we want to be. And that is the most crucial step. So when you know that you're 50 to $100,000 in debt, we know that debt management is going to be your greatest investment. So starting off the year is one, identify what stage you're in. And let's be honest with ourselves, right? If we have $50,000 in debt, let's not jump on TikTok because let me say this. People love to hear good news about their bad habits. People love to hear uh, Grant Cardone say, oh, I'm, I'm, I love debt and debt is so great. I'm a I'm million dollars in debt. Give me more debt. That makes you feel good about owing somebody, which that is what debt is. It's owing somebody. And, it, and in the Bible, it says is that uh, the debtor will be a slave to the master. Right. And we don't want to be slaves to these individuals. So that's the first thing. The second step is really to understand your income sources and your expenses. There's two categories. There's discretionary income and there's non-discretionary income. Non-discretionary for those who are out there are things that you have to pay. You have to pay your mortgage. You have to pay your light bill. And in most cases, you have to pay your internet bill at this point, because if you don't have the internet, you don't have anything. So we've kind of le- we've kind of carried that from non-discretionary into discretionary or, or to non uh, from discretionary to non-discretionary. But you also can manage who your service provider is. So I don't want you to think that that's a hard code, uh, a hard code, a hard code number. So once we get those incomes and expenses, we get what we call our net income. So that is money that you can start doing things with. And once you pay yourself first, you take that amount and then you give your tithing. Then you take that amount. Then you start paying off your debt. You take that amount. Then you start investing. And I think that will be a great place for people who are listening to start. Okay. And so is there like, you know, like this 80-20 rule? There's all type of, as you said, when you're in 
you know, these spaces on social media, they're all type of financial gurus and they advise you to, you know, budget this way or, you know, do this or do that or do that. What would you say if I, if I want to, or if someone is thinking of, you know, they want to save, right? Mm -hmm. Would you say that there is a particular budget that they should utilize? Or do you think that they need to do more of a Excel type sheet where they're just tracking their expenses versus their income? Like, what is your recommendation for budgeting and what type of platform or what type of um, technique would you, you know, advise someone to use if there are for beginning, you know, for beginners? Sure. Pencil and paper, pencil and paper. I think we rely too much on technology to have our budgeting sheets. We try to master Excel. I like to relate a lot of things to fitness because, you know, health is very important to me for longevity. I think sometimes we sacrifice wealth for health and I think it should be the other way around. But how many diets are there? There's keto diets, there's Mediterranean diets, there's Atkins diets, there's plant-based diets, there's carnivore diets. So which one is right? Finances is the same way. There's a lot of ways to make a lot of money. But where do you find the successful people in fitness? Those who are consistent in whatever that they do. Did you know that you can eat the same way and just walk a mile every day, be in a caloric deficit and you'll lose weight? So is walking the best way? Maybe not compared to bodybuilding and running marathons, but it works. And the thing is, we're not trying to find things that are perfect. We're trying to find things that are work or find things that are consistent and things that we can stick to on a day-to-day -day basis. Because you have to understand the compound effect of your consistency will pay off in 5, 10, 15 years. A lot of times we're in this microwave society where we want instant gratification. We want to invest in that stock that's going to improve $200,000, $300,000, but we turn our backs on the stock that may have an annualized return of 5% over the next 20 or 30 we saw that with Sam Bankman Fry with FTX. People were making hand over fist. He files for uh, bankruptcy, Chapter 11 bankruptcy. They lost their life savings. So what was all that six to one year to two years in cryptocurrency where you felt like a quote unquote millionaire? Now you're a zero in there. Right? And people who are making the small incremental changes are working. So my advice to everyone who is just just starting, as I said before, find out your expenses, find out your income, find out your net income and start putting money aside. I actually recommend automatic transfers. So start with $50, start with $100, whatever you feel comfortable with. And I wanna say set it and forget it. I wanna say set it and don't turn it off <laughs> because that's what we, we find out people, they transfer the $100 and they pull it out. Live below your means. My dad used to tell me, if you live below your means, you'll always have money. And that's my recommendation to everybody else is that don't let the world shame you into thinking that you have to live up to your budget. Some of us are making 20, 30, 50, 100,000, 250. I don't care if you're making a million dollars a year. If you're spending a million dollars a year, you're living paycheck to paycheck. It is not until you live below your capabilities where you have that ability to, to save, to invest, and to save something for the future. And I'll make this last comment. The goal is to push your finances and your purchasing power that you don't need today into the future. Think about it that way, is that, yes, you can buy the diamond ring. Yes, you can buy the car. But the goal is to be able to push the funds into the future so you can buy that car when you don't have an income, when you are retired, when your kid needs something, when you are in college. So, yes, you can still be rich, but you're rich over a time frame as opposed to just rich today. 
or look rich for that matter. Right, because there are a lot of people that kind of look rich, but their bank or their financials, they're just very unhealthy, right? And so I think that you bring up a really, really interesting point about living beneath your your means. Even if you were to get an increase or a raise or an additional stream of income, still living at the point where you're comfortable, right? Because you don't want to have to always have, you know, oh, okay, so I made more money, so I'm going to spend more. Like, no, yeah, you earn more money, but you can still kind of stay where you are in this season, right? So going back to, you know, knowing the season that you're in, right? And just keeping that mindset, right? So even though that you're having this increase on top of increase, that you're still at that level of like comfort, right? I love what you said there. I love what you said there. If you increase your income, you're, you're supposed to increase your comfort level. Because risk and the fear of uncertainty comes from not knowing when your next check is going to come or if you can live that lifestyle. So if you keep your lifestyle the same, your assets go up, you increase how comfortable you feel. But if your lifestyle goes up with your income, you're going to feel just as paranoid. You're going to feel just as uncomfortable no matter how much money that you make. And I love the comment that you made. Too many people are wearing their wealth on their body. They're wearing in their diamond earrings, their chains or their rings. When there's other ways to express your wealth, whether it's in rental property, whether it's in stocks and bonds, there's other ways other than money and clothes and shoes that you can express your wealth. So that's why when you see some people who are billionaires, it's not that they don't share their wealth or exploit their wealth. They have it in yachts. They have it in businesses. They have it in things that are non-tangible. And that's what we need to focus on. Stop just looking at the things that are tangible and start investing into things that are non-tangible. And I think we would prosper more as a culture that way. Oh yeah. Awesome. That's really, really awesome. And that's actually really, really, uh, very, very true. Very, very true. Um, leaving us on today, what are just some tips you just like to throw out there? Like your top three, like favorite tips that you like to throw out to just any new person that wakes up one day and say, you know what? I want to take charge of my finances. I want to do a new thing today and I want to take control of my money. What are just maybe three tips that you will leave with them so that they can get started? The first thing is to believe in God. That God, the money is the second most talked about topic in the Bible. So your faith in God needs to be strong. Whenever you have a question about money, how to handle money, how you feel, I want you to run to the Bible as soon as you can. Second, I want you to choose a method of money making and I want you to educate yourself. I want you to read articles. I want you to spend just as much time reading about calls and puts or stocks and bonds or 401ks or employee benefits as much as you do on TikTok or YouTube about who's dating who or love and hip hop or things of that nature. When the things that you get out of this life are the things that you put into it. Obviously, we all love entertainment. But the idea is that we don't want to get distracted from our goals. Entertainment should be a rest from what we're doing. But if what we're doing is building our uh, our lifestyle up, then that should be entertaining to us. The ability to do more, to travel more. And then third is to get an accountability partner. What we really want to do is that even though we want to trust in God, we do have a circle of friends. We have to change our friends because if we hang around the same people who have the same excuses and the same reasons why they're not prospering. We're going to fall right back into our old habits because we're going to try to preach them, say, listen, I'm doing a great job. I'm saving. And they're going to say, 
hey, girl, or hey, you need to take that money and let's go on a trip. They will distract you from your ultimate goal because they still have that same mentality. And you'll give up because either when you're walking, remember this, when you're walking, either they're going to catch up to your pace or you're going to fall back to theirs. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to fall back. You want to keep going because when you're just beginning, you're not strong enough to overcome the objections of 100, 200, 300, 500 connections you have on Facebook every day telling you to spend, spend, spend. You need to get into a better circle, believe in God and increase your pace so you can be successful. Wow, that's amazing. And yes, believing in God is always a super, super like critical ingredient ingredient to, ingredient to like any, any, any place in life, believing in God. That yeah. is really, really important. Um, where can we find you? What are your socials? Like where if someone's listening and and they want to know how can they find out more or they have a question, how can we reach you? Well, you can always go to my website, www.abrwealthmanagement.com. I know a lot, I'm, I am on Instagram and TikTok and uh, Facebook as well, but only as kind of just a reference point. If you go to my website, it gives links to all those kind of things. You know, there's free resources for biblical principles. Every Christian should know about investing and building generational wealth. That's free of charge. Um, I have a podcast with over 134 episodes. So you can download those episodes, learn everything about treasury notes and stocks and bonds and savings and mentality and financial news that you can actually use. So uh, and one more thing I do want to add, though, you know, I want your listeners to know that if they are thinking about investing for future generations, if they need help, just start now. You know, it doesn't have to be with me. Uh, there's an uh, organization called XYPN. Um, I am part of that organization. It's a database of great financial advisors that does everything from divorce specialists, um, people who have disabilities, special needs. Um, there's any and every category that you can choose from, from male to female. And you can sort by um, gender and things of that nature. But just do it now. You know, one of the problems I come across in my business is the fear of judgment. You know, many of my clients are successful executives. And to admit that they don't have it all together financially can be a humbling experience. But I'm here to say it's OK. We all can be great, but we all can't be great at everything. You gained your wealth by being great at your craft. You know how to make the money. Now let us help you protect the money and not according to our will, but to the will of God. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us on today on the Living Unapologetically podcast. It's just been so amazing having you. Just thank all you. these amazing nuggets and all of this information has just been so beautiful. I definitely appreciate you and your time and just want to thank you for being here on today. Do you have any uh, last words? No, I just want to say thank you for everybody who is listening um, and tune in and make sure that you continue to tune in because, you know, in, in James chapter two, verse 22, as I told you before, it's about works. They said faith without works is dead. And you are putting in the work right now because you're listening. You're putting in the work because you're following her. You're putting in the work because you are willing to put down your ego and say, I need help. But what we need to do is apply it now. So you have the information. Google doesn't have any information. All it does is provide you with the information that's out there. It's on us to apply it and execute and reap the results. And it's only through our works that our faith in finance and our faith in those who are teaching it will be perfected. You've been listening to Shakita on the Living Unapologetically podcast. 
Join us next Friday when she discusses more of faith, entrepreneurship, and everything in between. Please visit our website for more information, www.iamshakita.com or on Instagram at IamShakita. And don't forget to like and subscribe.